Step into a world shrouded in mystery and divine communication. In Judaism, prophecy serves as a direct line from God to humanity, conveying wisdom and guidance. But what does it take to become a prophet? How do prophets receive their messages? And what role does authenticity play in this extraordinary connection? Join us as we uncover the secrets of prophecy as that is spelled out in the Torah. We'll explore the teachings of the Rambam, biblical verses, Talmudic passages, discover the qualities of prophets, the levels of prophetic visions, and the conditions for the divine presence to rest upon a prophet. Get ready to delve into the depths of divine inspiration and embark on a journey of spiritual enlightenment. Divine inspiration and prophetic experience have fascinated humanity for centuries. In the Torah, prophecy is a fundamental principle that serves as a divine communication channel through which God imparts his wisdom and guidance to humanity. Jewish sources, including the Rambam's commentary on the Mishnah, where we get the 13 principles of faith, as well as the liturgy, various different biblical verses from all over Tanakh, Talmudic passages, all shed light on the essence of prophecy and its significance. These sources collectively emphasize the authenticity of prophecy, the qualities of the prophets, their character traits, the levels of prophetic visions, and the conditions necessary for the divine presence to rest upon a prophet. According to the Rambam, prophets have exceptional character traits and have attained great self-perfection. Their souls are prepared to receive a form of intelligence that connects their human intellect to that of God, resulting in a divine emanation known as prophecy. While explaining the foundations and attainment of prophecy is extensive, and so in the sixth yesod, or foundation of faith, the Rambam says, I can only go into this at the most basic level. Nevertheless, the Rambam highlights the testimony of numerous Torah verses, all affirming the existence of prophets and the reality of their prophetic experiences. We look at the liturgy. The 13 principles of faith are always listed at the end of the morning prayers. The sixth of the anima means, I believe, statements emphasizes the belief in the truth of the words spoken by prophets. This assertion reflects the unwavering faith that one must have in the divine messages communicated through these prophetic individuals. The verse from Exodus chapter 14, verse 31, further reinforces this belief stating that the Israelites witnessed the great power of God's hand in the events of the exodus from Egypt. 
As a result, they feared the Lord and believed in both God and Moses, his servants. We have to understand what that means. What does it mean to believe in Moses? Uncleus, who was a very prominent translator of the Torah, as a matter of fact, his essentially is the first translation. He was a Roman convert. He renders the verse to emphasize the people's belief in the Word of God and in the prophecy of Moses. So when the Torah says that the people believed in Moses, they believed in the authenticity or the credibility of his prophecy. In the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam elucidates that there are various levels of prophets, comparable to differing levels of wisdom among sages. The prophetic experience can vary in intensity and in clarity, with some prophets receiving visions in dreams or sleep states. When prophesying, prophets often experience physical and mental manifestations such as trembling limbs, diminished bodily strength, and altered appearances. These conditions allow their minds to be receptive to the divine messages they receive. The Rabbam cites biblical examples such as Abraham and Daniel to illustrate the profound impact of prophecy on the prophet's physical and mental states. Also, not all atmospheric conditions are conducive to prophecy. The Talmudic tractate in Shabbat explains that the divine presence does not manifest itself in the presence of negative emotions or idle activities. Instead, it is through the joy, for example, of fulfilling mitzvot, a commandment or a good deed, that the divine presence can come to rest upon an individual because it generates a state of joy. The Talmud cites the example of a musician playing for the prophet Elisha, where because of the music and because of the mood that it brought about, the hand of God rested upon him. And this implies that joy and engagement in mitzvot, in spirituality, can facilitate a closer connection with the divine because it generates simcha. The Torah provides guidelines for evaluating the authenticity of a prophet. You can't listen to just anybody who says he is one. Or she. We have female prophets as well. The verse in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 2 through 6, actually, address the situation where an individual presents themselves as a prophet and performs a miracle to lead people astray to worship idols. In such cases, even if the person's miracle comes true, the Torah instructs us to ignore them as it is a test from God. As a matter of fact, a prophet like that is to be put to death. The difference between Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 2 to 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 22 
lies in the nature of the signs or wonders performed by that prophet. A legitimate prophet, following the example of Moses, would not rely on producing signs or wonders to prove their authenticity. There have been many charismatic people throughout history, and even people who were adept at changing the rules of nature. Don't forget that there is a prohibition against witchcraft and sorcery in the Torah. We don't have that prohibition because these occult practices are false and ineffective. If they were, there would have been a commandment not to believe in things that are not true or things that are impossible. And these charismatic people throughout history have, through tricks and manipulation, gotten people, many people, to become their devotees and to be led astray. A real prophet does not do these things. Instead, their credentials as a prophet are established through the accurate fulfillment of their predictions. Think about Moses himself. The Torah describes Moses, in fact, he describes himself as a kvad peh, somebody with a speech impediment. Moses, as a matter of fact, was not a charismatic person, according to the Torah's description of him. But that's not our litmus test to determine who is a prophet and who is not. So we understand that prophecy holds a central role in Judaism and Torah as a divine communication channel. The prophets possess exceptional character traits and have attained self-perfection, which enables them to receive divine messages. The belief in the truth of prophetic words is deeply rooted in the Jewish faith, as we see in the liturgy and thus far in the biblical verses. We understand that they experience varying levels of prophetic visions, accompanied by physical and mental manifestations. The divine presence rests upon individuals who engage in meaningful acts and experience joy through the fulfillment of commandments. The essence of prophecy, where is it? What we understand is that it lies in the profound connection between prophets and the Creator, Prophets reach a heightened level of spiritual closeness, cleaving to God and perceiving His glory. Through this connection, prophets receive insights and understanding beyond human comprehension, grasping profound truths hidden within the divine realm. And the Torah provides criteria for evaluating the authenticity of a prophet. We saw the verses in Deuteronomy chapter 13. And we know that even if miracles that they perform come true, their message is supposed to be disregarded. And we also know that a true prophet does not rely on signs or wonders, but proves their authenticity through the accurate fulfillment of predictions. Now, in addition to the teachings mentioned so far, let's consider the writings of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, 
the Ramchal. We have had him on the show before. He provides us with further depth and contemplation on the subject of prophecy. The Ramchal explores the concept of divine inspiration and also the process by which prophets receive their messages from the Creator. You see, for the Ramchal, and it is a fundamental principle that we have about these matters, there is a level, even before you get the prophecy, which can be referred to as divine inspiration, and is also known in Lashon HaKodesh in Hebrew as Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit. This is a higher form of comprehension that transcends the natural realm. And, of course, there's an important note to make here. As always, the problem with translation into English is that the, pra- is that the phrase Holy Spirit sounds similar to the Christian notion of the Holy Spirit, but rest assured, it has absolutely nothing to do with it. The Holy Spirit that is mentioned in Christian teachings is one of the three personages in the hypostatic union that makes up the Trinity, which is a belief that would be heretical from a Torah perspective. So get that out of your mind. Here we're speaking about a human capacity for higher perception. It is a direct influence from the Creator who implants clear and complete knowledge of a particular matter into the prophet's intellect. This profound connection between humans and the divine goes beyond ordinary understanding and is a result of the Creator's intervention. The Ramchal emphasizes that prophets, at the highest level of divine inspiration, we're still talking in the realm of Ruach HaKodesh, these people experience a unique connection with the Creator and they receive profound insights into hidden secrets and even future events. Their understanding surpasses that of individuals possessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, here we're making a distinction between people who have reached the level of Ruach HaKodesh, or divine inspiration, and prophets. You can have Ruach HaKodesh without being a prophet. What's the difference between the two? It really boils down to that a person can through the contemplation of anything, come to greater and greater levels of understanding about it. That is what philosophers have done throughout history. And it's also true that contemplation of holy matters can bring a person to higher and higher levels of the understanding of God, of how God runs the world, of various different aspects of God's guiding power, even a sense of prescience or premonition. Prophecy, on the other hand, is not really about a refinement of the mind of the person or the ability for that person to think more deeply on spiritual matters. Prophecy has to do with that person's devotion and connection to God himself. 
absolute cleaving to God so that he or she becomes like a conduit. It's almost as if they have become a pipe and they themselves are out of the way so that the knowledge that God has to pass into this world can come through them. So they can perceive knowledge from the perspective of being directly connected to the Creator. And as we said before, there are levels. A person on their way to becoming a prophet must go through a course of study. In the gradual progression towards complete prophecy, the Ramchal explains that not all individuals can attain the level of a prophet. It requires exceptional character traits, deep self-perfection, and a soul prepared to receive the divine emanation. Prophets undergo a profound transformation as people, as they align their intellect with the divine intellect, which in turn allows them to receive messages from the Creator Himself. And so we see a compliment that the Ramchal's writings bring to those of the Rambam. And together, they provide a comprehensive understanding of the nature and significance of prophecy in Judaism, highlighting the profound connection between prophets and the divine and the transformative impact of divine inspiration. Now you might be wondering, can non-Jews be prophets? Well, according to the Talmud in Tractate Bhavabhatra, there were seven prophets who prophesied to the nations of the world. These prophets include Bilam and his father, Job, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Sofar the Damathite, and Elihu son of Barachel the Buzite. Regarding Elihu, who was mentioned as being from the family of Ram, which is related to the name Avraham, a question arises in the Gemara as to, doesn't that prove that he was from Israel? The Talmud clarifies that although Elihu's lineage traces back to Avraham, he's considered as one of the prophets who prophesied to the nations. So he belongs in this category of seven. This is actually a very interesting conversation in the Talmud as to whether Job was Jewish or not. And perhaps the fact that Elihu is traced to Avraham, to Abraham, might prove that the list of seven doesn't necessarily only include non-Jewish prophets. Rashi provides further insight in his commentary on Numbers, chapter 22, verse 5, which is Parshat Balak. We are going to be reading Parshat Balak this week at the time of this recording in Israel. Rashi addresses the question of why God would allow his divine presence to rest upon a non-Jewish person who was evil, like Bilam. Rashi explains that this was done preemptively to address a potential complaint from the nations of the world. The nations might argue that if they had prophets, they would have improved their behavior. Therefore, God did provide them with prophets. But 
they breached the moral boundaries of the world. Bilaam, for example, not only failed to guide the nations toward righteousness, but even advised them on how to engage in promiscuous behavior, as we see later on with the daughters of Midian. Now, interestingly enough, the Torah says that there never arose a prophet in Israel like Moses. And Chazal, on that verse, comment that it could be that a prophet like Moses never arose again in Israel, but a prophet like Moses did arise amongst the nations, and that prophet was Bilaam. So in terms of relative strength, it's not an ethnic thing. But Bilaam, like other prophets, just simply turned down the wrong path. And from the time of Moses, things have been different. We know that although the potential for prophecy still exists, prophecy in practice, meaning God's practice of speaking to human beings, ended after Baruch ben Neria, who was a student of Jeremiah. Anybody who is considered to be a prophet from that point on, you should know from the Torah's perspective that's a false prophet. Our sources indicate that while the primary focus of prophecy in Judaism is on the Jewish people, there were instances where individuals from other nations received prophetic messages. However, it's important to note that such cases are exceptions, and the majority of prophets mentioned in Torah texts are associated with the Jewish people. That doesn't mean necessarily that their message was for the Jews alone, as we see many instances of the prophets of Israel with messages for other nations. Prophecy in the Torah is a sacred and profound concept. It serves as a divine communication channel through which God imparts his wisdom and guidance to humanity. Prophets possessing exceptional qualities and self-perfection receive divine messages and insights beyond human comprehension. The authenticity of prophecy is affirmed through the accurate fulfillment of predictions rather than relying on signs or wonders. The sources we've explored in this episode deepen our understanding of prophecy and its impact on the lives of prophets and the Jewish people and the world at large. Embracing the essence of prophecy allows individuals to cultivate a closer connection with the divine and to embark on a path of spiritual growth and enlightenment. As we conclude our journey through the fascinating world of prophecy, we want to highlight that the significance of prophecy exists also for Noahides, individuals who embrace the belief in the Torah and strive to live according to its principles. While the primary focus of Jewish prophecy is aimed at the Jewish people, the prophetic tradition holds great significance for Noahides as well. Noahides, following the teachings of the Torah, recognize the divine authenticity of Moses' prophecy. The belief in the superiority of Moses' prophecy, as outlined in the seventh principle of the 13th principles of faith, 
underscores the profound impact that Moses had, not only on the Jewish people, but also on all those who adhere to the teachings of the Torah, including Noahides. Through Moses, God revealed the seven Noahide laws, a set of ethical and moral principles that form the foundation of righteous living for all humanity. The Noahide laws received through Moses' prophecy provide guidance and direction for Noahides to lead a meaningful and purposeful life in accordance with the divine will. More on that in the next episode. Join us in future episodes as we continue to delve into more profound aspects of Jewish tradition as it is applicable for the Noahide life. We will explore the treasures of ancient wisdom that have the power to transform and uplift all those who seek spiritual truth. Thanks for joining us on the Bear Shiva podcast. And may you continue to find inspiration and guidance as you walk the path of righteousness. Shalom, and until we meet again. Thank you for joining us on the Bear Shiva podcast. The podcast is proudly presented to you by Sukkot Shalom Bani Noach. As a global Noahide community, Sukkot Shalom is deeply rooted in the timeless values of Torah. We're dedicated to nurturing growth, fostering unity, and spreading the light of Torah to every corner of the world. For more enriching content and to be a part of our vibrant community, visit our website at www.sukkotshalom-baninoach.com. Remember to follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and leave us a comment with the topics you'd love to explore in future episodes. See you next time.